Uh, we're in a series called Blessed. Uh, we realize in so many ways that the scriptures are full of the blessings that God wants to pour out on our lives. Uh, in fact, he literally, it's mentioned uh, over 140 some times in the scriptures, the blessings of God. And so much of walking with God is based on what we receive from him. And blessings are simply the goodness that comes into our lives when we're connected to God. And so I wanted us to focus on this. We've got uh, fall coming up, and we're going to move into a season where we do a growth campaign together. Uh, we did one last year about this time called Be the Message, and we focused uh, all together as a church, all of our life groups and everything focused on the same study and the same emphasis. We're going to do that again this year, and so we're going to have sign-ups uh, starting next week for life groups, and we'll, we'll start this thing the 1st of October, and we'll all study together. As I said last year, it was called Be the Message. This year, it's going to uh, be called Be a Disciple. Disciple, and we're going to look at what it means to follow Jesus and to grow in our relationship with him and uh, our life of following him. And we're going to dig into that a little bit. So um, you're going to want to be a part of that. So I encourage you to, um, to be thinking about that. If you're not in a life group, we are a church of life groups. And so we really believe that every person who comes here, we want you to be connected into a group because uh, we have rows in our church, which we believe we can learn in rows, but it's really circles where we, um, where we dig in a little deeper and we build relationships and it's so important. So I want you to encourage you to think about that and, and begin to plan for that. But this week, we're looking at the blessings of God. The message uh, today is called this, you are blessed if you look to God for help. You're blessed if you look to God for help. We know we live in a, a great country. We are blessed in so many ways. And so we're all blessed but the truth is, you're blessed, especially blessed, if you know God, and even more, if he's your source of help. As we navigate this life, we face problems. We have times where all of us, no matter how independent we are, no matter how self-sufficient we are, we need some help. We face those times, and sometimes the people we rely on for help uh, even those that we know closely and we've been around for a long time, there's times that people can let us down or fall short of meeting our needs and expectations. Uh, like the doctor who brought his patient in to see him and the doctor said, I've got some uh, bad news and I've got some worse news. And the patient said, well, fine, let's have it. And the doctor said, well, uh, you have just 24 hours to live. And he said, well, that's horrible news, doc. What could be worse than that? And he said, well, I forgot to tell you yesterday. Okay, listen, uh, sometimes people let us down. No offense if you're a doctor. It's just a joke. If you're in the medical profession, I know you'd never do that. But um, here's the deal. Uh, people do let us down at times. And so Psalm 146, which is where we're going to be this morning. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 146. Uh, if you have your phone or an, a tablet, turn there on your Bible app. We're going to be focused in on this passage this morning where the psalmist is going to encourage us with where to put our hope. This is what Psalm 146 verse 5 says. But joyful, or another translation, that word would be blessed. But joyful are those who have God, or have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for a time to set aside in our busy week and busy schedule to focus on you. I pray you'd speak to us from your word We thank you for the opportunity to gather together. We do not take that lightly. 
We do not, uh, we understand how, uh, what a privilege it is. And so thank you for the chance to meet and to focus in on you. Please speak to us. We want to hear from you. We want to grow in our walk with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The direction that you look for help in those times of need reflects where you put your trust, right? Where do you put your trust? Hudson Taylor, famous missionary who went to China and did so much work in China to open it up for the gospel, presenting the gospel there. He embedded himself in that culture. He began to look like, a, uh, like the Chinese. He learned the language, but took many years for him to develop and to see fruit from his ministry. But he said this regarding God's faithfulness and our trust in him. He said this, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect he will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. Depend on it. Listen, Hudson Taylor's ministry was difficult. He faced many uh, difficulties and much adversity. It was not a walk in the park by any means. And yet he knew, he knew that God was the source of all that he had and all that he needed. He knew where to look, who to wait on, who to go to. See, you tend to put your trust, we tend to put our trust in those with power and money in this life because we need money to survive in this world, and those with power usually have it. The psalmist in Psalm 146 here is going to hit us right out of the gate with this urging plea. Don't put your trust in powerful people. Don't put your trust in powerful people. Let's read Psalm 146 starting in verse 3. Follow along if you will. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth and all their plans die with them. Putting your trust in a person for your provision, the psalmist says, is going to lead to disappointment. The wisdom principle here, don't get caught in the specifics of his explanation of why you shouldn't trust in powerful people. The wisdom principle here is that people with power and money lose it. It's temporal, right? That, that power and money are temporal in nature. Those people come and go in this world. And if you put your trust in them, you're going to lead, it's going to lead to disappointment. They're going to fail you. That, that um, source of help is not going to be there, probably when you need it most. Trust in man is faulty because man is temporal and temporary. Though people gain power in this world, it's true that their power is only temporary. There's a popular story told of uh, our country and some men, powerful men, uh, back in the 1920s that uh, supposedly had a meeting together. Now, whether or not they met is debatable, but the, the facts of their life are not in debate. These were nine of the most powerful men, richest men in the world at the time that met together, uh, allegedly. First of all was Charles Schwab. And that's not the Charles Schwab you're thinking of. This man was the president of the largest independent steel company in the world, Bethlehem Steel. Samuel Insel, president of the world's largest utility company. Howard Hobson, president of the largest gas company or gas firm. Arthur Cutton, the world's great, uh, largest or greatest wheat speculator. Richard Whitney, president of the New York Stock Exchange. Albert Fall, member of the president's cabinet. Leon Frazier, president of the Bank of International Settlements. 
Jesse Livermore, the greatest speculator in the stock market, and Ivan Kruger, head of the company with the most widely distributed securities in the world at the time. So all of these men at the top in our country, which also meant at the top in their individual fields in the world. And yet within 25 years, their stories changed drastically. Charles Schwab died in bankruptcy, having to borrow money for the last five years of his life. Samuel Insel died virtually penniless after spending some time as a fugitive from justice. Howard Hobson became insane. Arthur Cutton died overseas, broke. Richard Whitney had spent time in a mental asylum. Albert Fall was released from prison so he could die at home. Leon Frazier, Jesse Livermore, Ivan Kruger each died from committing suicide. Nine of the most powerful men in the world within 25 years, all of them had nothing. If you had your faith and trust in them, and I'm sure many did, you were left disappointed and without provision and help in your time of need. This is the nature of human power. The psalmist says, don't put your trust in men, no matter how capable, how powerful they may seem. It is certainly tempting as we look at how the world works. We see that money and power, uh, we see how it operates and how it functions. And it's easy for us to fall into the temptation of believing that those things are controlled here on earth by men. That's not the truth. It's deception. The truth is that our God, creator God, who made all things, controls and oversees this world and all that happens in it. And that God, who made it all, can adjust resourcing for us. And he's promised to do it. To God, creator of the universe, money is nothing. It's not a big deal. For us, it can be everything. We live and die on it. But you've got to remember, for the God of the universe, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal for him to shift money, to resource us in times of need. Not hard. Um, I have seen in my lifetime, as I've taken some steps, stepped out in faith to follow God, to follow a calling I believed he gave me, at times that meant moving into a situation where resources were a little sketchy and uncertain, and I've certainly seen, as I'm sure you have, at times resourcing dry up from a certain, in a certain direction. And I've watched as God has led me into new opportunities and new directions where resourcing came. And those places were places I would never have imagined. I would have never thought it was coming. I would have never thought to even go after it or pursue it. And the truth is that that is how our God works. It's not hard for him. We struggle. Because at times we don't want to make the adjustments needed, right, for him to provide. We struggle with those changes sometimes. But for God, it's nothing. He oversees the world and the universe. It is not difficult for him to provide for us. And he keeps his promises to do so. The psalmist goes on to tell us where to put our hope for help. He says this, you will, you will be blessed when you put your trust in God. You'll be blessed when you put your trust in God. Let's continue reading Psalm 146 in verse 5. He says this, But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. The God of Israel, the God who created all things. When you have him as your helper, you're joyful. You're blessed. You have a good position in life, regardless of what you're experiencing. Do you realize that you can have the God of the universe to help you? 
True blessings or joy come into your life when you look to God for help, when you rely on him to meet your needs. See, God is the true source of all that is. He is the one from whom men derive their power and wealth. So going directly to God, the psalmist is in a sense saying, allows you to bypass the middleman. You don't have to go to the the human being for help, okay? You don't have to go to the human being that happens to have the, the resources that you think you need. You can go directly to God. When you bypass the middleman, you go to God, he ends up providing for you, as I said, in ways you might not have foreseen. But he has access to all of it, whereas you might have your view on a small portion of what's available. The truth is, sadly, though, and I'll speak for myself, maybe not you, maybe the person next to you, we struggle to go to God first with those needs. Sadly, oftentimes we don't look to him until every other option is exhausted. Vance Havner, the, great, the famous evangelist, told a story about an elderly lady who was greatly disturbed by her many troubles, both real and imaginary. Finally, someone in her family tactfully told her, Grandma, we've done all we can for you. You'll just have to trust God for the rest. A look of absolute despair spread over her face as she replied, Oh dear, has it come to that? Okay, it's supposed to be a joke. Listen, (laughs) I'm not seriously hammering up, but we do that. We do that sometimes, right? We don't go to God first. He should be the first one we go to, the second, the third, the last, all the way through. And when we don't go to him, sadly, our problems can grow in size. They're not in proportion, but we want to look to every other means to solve our problems. What resources do we have? Who do we know that could help us? Where could we get ourselves out of this situation? And we go to those places putting our trust in them. And God's saying, hey, I'm here. I've got it all. And I can help you with your problems. You're blessed when you look to God for help. That's where the joy comes in. That's where the blessing comes into our lives. And listen, um, we will get beat up in this life. We have and will, and it will continue to happen because life comes hard and fast, and there's times that something happens to us. We just get blown away before we really knew what happened. Uh, Max Licato has a story in his book, The Eye of the Storm, about Chippy the Parakeet. Chippy the Parakeet never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage, happy with the world. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems all started for Chippy when his owner had the idea of vacuuming out his cage. And so she took the attachment off the the vacuum and had the hose. She uh, reached into the cage with it. She was cleaning out the bottom. When her phone rang, she looked over to grab the phone and Chippy got sucked up into the vacuum. Well, she stopped the vacuum immediately. She opened it up and there was Chippy. He was okay. He was alive but he was kind of in shock. And so she saw him covered in dirt and dust and debris. And so she picked him up, ran into the bathroom, turned on the water, stuck him under the faucet and washed all the dirt off. And then she realized Chippy was now shaking and cold. And so she did what any good parakeet owner would do. She grabbed her blow dryer, turned it on high, blasted him with hot air. Well, Chippy was still alive, but he was stunned and a little traumatized from the event. The newspaper man that put the article in the paper first called a few days uh, later to see how Chippy was doing. And the owner said, well, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. 
Hey, listen, it's hard. It's not hard to see why. Uh, a funny story, but, but man, in life, that happens to us sometimes. We go through a, a, a situation and we feel like, man, what just happened to me? I'm traumatized. I know things aren't right. I'm just in shock to know what to do. I've heard some people say this in response to my message to them that God wanted to help them and was available to help them through times. I've had people say to me, well, I've asked God for help in the middle of a a situation and he didn't answer. He wasn't there. He didn't do what I needed done. They say I've tried to look to God for help, but he just wasn't available to me. He didn't meet the need. He didn't come and help me. And to that, I just have a question, which is, how do you know? How do you know he didn't come to help you? How do you know he wasn't at work in your situation? How do you know at times he wasn't carrying you when you simply didn't have the strength to walk? How do you know that he wasn't working for a solution? Because oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I get my focus on the wrong place. And very easily, I can miss what God's actually doing for me and in me in the midst of struggle. We have pain. We have uh, shock. There's just times where we miss it. We don't see it. And hopefully, as we get past things, we can look back and see what God's done. And there's certainly been seasons in my life where that's the way it was. Going through the middle of it, man, I I didn't know. I didn't feel anything. I didn't know where God was at. But getting through it, looking back and going, wow. We've got to learn to trust God. We've got to learn to walk with him. He's our heavenly father. And regardless of what you think, what you've experienced, what you've felt, the facts are, the truth is that your heavenly father loves you and he cares about you and he knows what's going on with you. And he's intimately involved in what you're going through. He does not neglect us or forsake us in the midst of our darkest hours. But there's times we, have, we, we struggle to see it. Growing to that place, though, where we trust him, where we know he's there, that's what he's trying to do in our lives. Tim Hansel uh, tells a story of one time he took his young son, Zach, went up to the mountains, and they were climbing around and having a good time. And uh, Zach was above him on some rocks. And all of a sudden, he hears Zach's voice cry out, Dad, catch me! And uh, Tim turned around to see Zach flying through the air towards him. Well, he reacted as quick as he could, said it kind of looked like a circus act. He grabbed, you know, different body parts, rolled them up, and they fell to the ground. Zach on top of him, and he said, Zach, why'd you do that? What were you thinking? And Zach said, well, because you're my dad. And he goes, how profound that Zach knew I would catch him. He wasn't worried. He had the second thought in his mind. He knew that I was going to be there for him. That is where God wants us to be, where we're able and willing to step out in faith. We're not fearful and reserved holding back on the opportunities to live this life for God, but he wants to set us free and have us know without uh, any question that he's going to be there for us. The blessing that this psalm promises has to do with the transformation that happens in us when we are intimately connected to God. The truth is that as we go through this life, we can and will get hurt. Life does not go the way it should, and we have a sense of that. We know that there's injustice. There's things that happen to us. We just go, that's wrong. That shouldn't be happening. We can, in those moments, blame God at times. 
And I'm sure we have all been there at some point saying, God, why, why, why? And we get frustrated and we think you weren't there for me. You didn't, you didn't solve the problem. The truth is that God is not responsible for the hurt and pain we experience in this life. The harm that comes to us comes because of sin, because we live in an evil world. Now, some argue, well, yeah, but God allowed that, or he must be the cause of it in some way. No, he's not the cause of it. He did allow it. He created a world in which he did not make us as robots, where he controls and manipulates everything that's going on. My view, he made us with a free will, with the ability to choose, with a little bit of power, right? Made in his image. This provided the opportunity for sin to enter the world. But before that happened, God created a way. He planned a way to solve that problem. That is why God planned before we were here, before the universe was created, to send Jesus, his son, to step out of heaven, to to put aside the position that Jesus had, to humble himself, the Bible tells us, take on a human body, to walk among us, to live among us, to communicate with us, to interact with us, to help us see who God is, to show his love for us, and then ultimately to die on a cross, paying the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven. And I'm reminded in these moments, these topics of blessings from God and difficulties that we go through and the hurts and needs that we have. Jesus said at one point, blessed is the man who does not stumble because of me. Jesus knew that God's plan for him to come to earth, to live among us, to be the Messiah and Savior, by some would be missed. They wouldn't see it because they didn't want it. He wasn't the plan they were looking for. They had a different idea of what God was going to be doing. And so Jesus said, man, uh, don't miss God's plan. Don't miss what God's doing because I don't look the way you want me to or think that I was going to. And I think of that same piece in this. Is God has a purpose for us. His power is available to us. But he simply does not use his power to eliminate all of the problems that we have in this life. We can blame God for the hurt. But the truth is, he's not responsible. He does not promise either to save us from all of the pain and suffering in this life. In fact, Jesus promised that we would experience it. We would have it. What he does promise is to walk with us and to help us through it. That is his promise. When we learn to trust God and his power, we begin to experience the joy that comes from knowing him, even in the midst of the hardest of times. We see his work in the middle of our struggles, and the anger and frustration and hurt that we have can turn to joy. It can turn to a sense of being blessed because we have the presence of God in our lives. Knowing and trusting God transforms the way we live this life. Now listen, we all hit seasons of struggle. The ancients called it the dark night of the soul, where our orientation is messed up. We don't sense God's presence. That intimacy that we had with him uh, seems to be gone, and we're kind of uncertain of our surroundings and how to navigate it. And it's through those seasons that God steps in, that his presence is more powerful, that he's even at work more than any other time. See, God never breaks a promise, and his presence is enough to change your and my attitude every day of our life because he truly does love you and cares deeply for you. Again, regardless of what you've experienced, regardless of what you're thinking right now about God, can I tell you the truth? 
God's demonstrated his love for us, right? Jesus came to the earth and sacrificed and died for you and me. He didn't just say he loved us. He's demonstrated it. The truth is that your heavenly father knows what you're going through. He knows you intimately and he cares deeply. And I don't want you to listen to your own voice, the voice of the enemy that would say, God doesn't know what's going on. He's forgotten about you. He doesn't know. He's not watching. He's not there. He's not available. He's not present. Those things aren't true. And yet it's hard for us to walk through the seasons of struggle. But this Psalm, Psalm 146, is all about the truth and reality that God is there. He's our helper. And we're blessed when we let him do that. J.I. Packer wrote these words about challenge and struggle in the Christian life. He says, grace is God drawing sinners closer and closer to him. How does God in grace prosecute this purpose of drawing sinners closer to himself? Not by shielding us from assault by the work of the flesh or the devil. Not by protecting us from burdensome and frustrating circumstances. Not yet by shielding us from troubles created by our own temperament and psychology. But rather by exposing us to all of these things. So as to overwhelm us, listen, with a sense of our own inadequacy and to drive us to cling to him more closely. He says the purpose of struggles and trials is to create a dependency in us where we no longer believe that we can do it all ourselves. This is the ultimate reason from our standpoint why God fills our lives with troubles and perplexities of one sort and another. It is to ensure that we shall learn to hold him fast. The reason why the Bible spends so much of its time relating that God is a strong rock, a firm defense, and a sure refuge for help uh, and a help for the weak is that God spends so much of his time showing us that we are weak, both mentally and morally, and dare not trust ourselves to find or follow the right road. When we walk on a clear road feeling fine and someone reaches out to take our arm to help us, likely we would impatiently shake him off. But when we are caught in a rough country, in the dark, in a storm, with a storm brewing and our strength is spent and someone takes our arm to help, we would thankfully lean on him. And God wants us to feel that as we go through our life. Life is rough and perplexing. This way we can learn to lean on him and do so thankfully. I've often thought, as I've gotten older especially, that perhaps the worst condition that a person can have in this life is that everything they do works. That they're able to succeed on their own. That everything they do, they're able to figure things out and all of it works and there's no opposition, no struggle, no failure comes into their life. Because then they, they can actually believe that they're good enough. They're smart enough. They're strong enough. They're self-sufficient enough. And where that leaves them is bereft and empty of a spiritual connection with their creator. You are blessed when you have trials and struggles. You're blessed when things don't work. Listen, it's hard to say those words. I don't accept all this easily, but I know it's the truth that God wants to build into us a dependency on him. We cannot do it on our own. This is the blessed place for the follower of Jesus. We are told in this psalm that we will be blessed and joyful if God is your helper through this life. The truth is that you must learn to walk with God and to trust him with the difficulties and trials you face because God has the power and the will to take care of you. 
Let's keep reading in Psalm 146 in verse 6. It says this, He made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. What an awesome, awesome truth to know that the God who created the universe, who is overall, he could be far too busy to pay attention to us and our problems. And yet he is focused on the weakest, the ones who are struggling the most. He's focused, he understands, he sees, and he's working to bring about relief. God has the power to fix these things. He gives justice to the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. He feeds those or frees those in prison unjustly, opens the eyes of the blind, relieves those under pressure, loves those following his commands, protects the outsiders, takes care of the orphans and widows, and frustrates the plans of the wicked. This list is made up of things that cause pain and struggle in this life. Suffering unjustly and injustice is incredibly difficult. It's painful to walk through. It hurts at the deepest level. How powerful to know that the God of the universe is attentive to these issues. Notice that he does not prevent these situations from happening. Otherwise, the psalmist wouldn't say he was working to bring a solution, to bring relief. In other words, he doesn't prevent pain in this life, but he does move to help those suffering from the pain and the effects of sin. I know this is a bit of a mystery, and it confuses some, and it causes some to stumble up on the belief in God, is that God has the power to meet each and every need, to solve every problem, to stop things from happening that are bad. He has this power but he does not use the power that he has to stop and to step in and to change every situation. He doesn't do that. He doesn't promise to step in and control, right? And sometimes we expect that of him. We ask that of him. We wonder why he's not doing that. I've been there. The truth is that is not his claim. That is not his promise. And that is not the use of his power. What he does offer us without fail is his power and presence in our lives. Many times he allows us to endure great trials and suffering. Jesus, our Savior, the Son of God, went to the cross and died. He was murdered by those that he loved. If God saw fit in his plan to allow his Son to endure that suffering, well, this is part of the calling. It's part of what it means to be a Christian, to endure suffering. And God doesn't promise to take all that away. Never makes that promise. What he does offer us, again, without fail, is his presence and the power of that presence. God's presence in your life provides you the power to withstand and endure very painful circumstances. It's interesting to me that one person can go through great trial and tribulation and say, the only reason I made it through that is because God helped me. And another person can go through the same trial, the same struggle and situation, and say, God was not there for me. 
The difference is the strength of relationship and connection to God. What I do know is that to enjoy the presence and power of God is to experience trials and struggles a very different way. Those, those trials and struggles and pain can produce anger in us, resentment, bitterness, things that stick to our soul and pull us away from our relationship with God. Or they can draw us closer to God. And sometimes it's a mixture of the two. Sometimes we battle with our own perspective as we endure and go through difficult times. But I know that to be close to God, to walk in relationship with him, is to experience trials differently. In order for, uh, for it to happen, we've got to stay connected to God himself. We've got to ensure that that connection is strong. Um, there was a missionary, Herbert Jackson, who was teaching a new missions class about his experience in mission, and uh, he had spent years and years uh, ministering. And so he was teaching this new class about a situation he encountered when he was a young missionary, got to the mission field, and he took over for another missionary, and there, were, there was a, a schedule and work for him to do, and he was actually given a vehicle to use on the mission field. So when he got there, he was given this vehicle, but uh, there was one downside to the vehicle. It wouldn't start. Uh, the, the key, the ignition didn't work, the starter didn't work. And so he did figure out, though, that he could, uh, by rolling the vehicle, getting it moving— right? He could put it in gear and it would start and run. And so he uh, figured out and devised a plan. You know, there was a school close by and he got some of the students to come and give him a push to get him going. And then as he went through his rounds throughout the day, he'd park on a hill or a place where he could get some momentum, you know, to get this car started. And he made it work for a couple of years and he thought, man, I'm, you know, pretty proud of himself for figuring this out and making it work. And, but some health issues caused him to leave the mission field. And so he had a new missionary come in, young man, and he was teaching him the ropes and telling him about what he did. And he told him about his vehicle and how he had figured it out to get it to work. And this young man uh, popped up the hood real quick, and he looked inside, and he said, you know, uh, I think your problem here is just a loose wire. And so he twisted the wire a little bit, got in the vehicle, started it up. It ran. Listen, um, the power that we have available to us uh, does not just happen, right? It isn't, a, it isn't an automatic thing. God's power in our lives is there when we have paid attention to the connection with him. If we're not connected, and this is virtually solely on us, because we're the ones who drift away, we look other places, we put our trust in other things, when God says, I'm right here, I'm right here in your life. But you've got to use your decision-making, your will to be connected to me, to build that relationship Grow your relationship with God. You will see his work in your day-to-day life when you do that. It will build your strength. Don't neglect time with God. It pays off in your attitude and perspective. Too often, uh, I know for me, I can get focused in on a problem and an issue, which is in reality pretty small, but it can become all-encompassing and overwhelming. It becomes so big that I'm not sure how I could ever deal with it. And the truth is that perspective has only come because I'm focusing in on the problem. You remember the apostle Peter, when Jesus was out walking on the water, he said, Jesus, can I come to you? Jesus said, yeah, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter got out, started walking towards Jesus. And then it says he looked around at the wind and the waves. He started to doubt. And what happened? He started to sink. I know that it's hard to keep our eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storm. But the truth is, 
The Bible teaches us we can handle virtually anything in this life, and really anything, if we keep our eyes on him, our perspective of faith in an almighty God, if that relationship connection is strong, we're sensing his presence and power in our lives. Now, I know there's seasons where we're unsure. And I don't mean to diminish that. There's legitimate seasons where we just, life hits us hard and we're strong in our faith. But there's seasons the ancients called, uh, you know, the dark night of the soul. Like I said, and, and we get disoriented there. And so that's different. But sometimes, I think what's really required is a little bit of maturity. You know, growing up a little bit. I remember this instance when I was a kid. I don't know why I remember this. But um, I had some buddies in my neighborhood. We had a great childhood, man. We were outside playing all the time. And, and so we would play different games. We had a little football game that we'd play. We had, you know, kickball. My front yard had a diamond, you know, war in it. And then we'd play baseball every once in a while. Well, I remember one day I wanted to go play baseball with my buddies, and I was trying to find my baseball, and I couldn't find it. And I'm looking through my room, and I'm rummaging around trying to discover where it's at. I said, Mom, uh, I need to find my baseball. Do you know where it's at? She said something like, probably the last place you put it, yeah, which is really helpful. And so, um, so you're like, thanks, Mom. Uh, but anyway, I'm looking, trying to find my baseball. I remember this. I stopped for a minute, and I thought, God, you know all things, right? You can see everything. You know where my baseball's at. Could you just tell me where it is? Could you just help me find it? Like the next, you know, bunch of clothes that I pick up off the floor in my bedroom, could you just make it be there? You know, I don't know. That's how I thought it worked, right? And so I did, and I kept looking, and I got more and more frustrated. I just, I'll never forget. I really got frustrated. God, you know where this baseball is. How easy would it be for you to just tell me where it is? Show me where it's at. Come on, man. Give me, give me a little help here. Now what I, you know, I, I, God didn't do that. I didn't find it, you know. I mean, at some point I probably did, but not that day, in that moment. But surprisingly, I lived, you know, I went out and figured something to do. But the truth is, God didn't just solve my problem. Now, that's a silly story, but it reflects sometimes what our faith, the maturity level of our faith. You know, I had to realize and grow up to realize that God is not a genie in the bottle that I can rub and get three wishes and whatever I want, he's going to do because he's all-powerful, almighty God. That actually switches the position, puts me in the position of being God, and him in the position of doing whatever I want. That's not how it works. The God of the universe who made all things and controls all things is not our genie, but he is there to be our helper. He does want to come into our lives and support us and help us through those difficult times. You know, I probably need to learn to organize my room, you know, and put my baseball in a place I could find it next time. My wife thinks I probably have made a little progress. Maybe I'm not quite there yet. I'll ask her for help on finding things, you know. She says we can be driving out, driving out in the country, and you can see a deer off, like, hidden. You know, you can see it like that, but you can't find, you know, something in the cupboard. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why that is. But listen, yeah, maybe some of you are the same way, right? But here's the truth, that, um, that we need to grow sometimes. We just need to grow up a little bit in our faith and mature and realize who God is, what he's there to do. And his promise is, again, not to solve every problem, but it's to give us strength. It's to build our faith. And certainly we can take those leaps of faith. He will be there for us, but he takes us through seasons where we grow. When we've grown to the place where we can trust him, and that's where he wants us, we can say what the psalmist said at the beginning of this psalm in verses one and two. He said, praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. 
I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. God, thank you for the way you work in our lives and you move in us. You want to teach us to walk with you. You allow us to go through hard times. Sometimes we create those. Sometimes they're brought about by circumstances of life. Thank you that you are present to walk with us. Help us to build the connection with you so it's strong, so we know you and we understand who you are and we trust you so that we can take the steps in life and not get hung up by the failures and hurts of the past, but move forward. God, you want to take us into a place of confidence and freedom to run with you and to walk with you knowing that you're there, knowing that you're, the, you're going to be there to help us when times get tough, when situations work against us. God, thank you for your presence and power in our lives. God, we just want to lift up uh, John and Krista Wiedemann and their family. Um, Father, uh, you know their situation with little baby Oaks and um, how they were able to come home from the hospital and things look good. And then sadly, Father, uh, you took him home to be with you um, last night. So we just want to lift them up as a family. We want to pray that your presence would be with them in a powerful way. Father, help us to love on them as a church and support them. And uh, God, we just thank you for your goodness in the midst of trials and tribulations. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.